0: Cinema fans, welcome back to the newest episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Today we will be discussing Avengers Infinity War. So if you have not seen it yet and you do care about spoilers, stop listening now because there will be spoilers throughout this entire thing. Once again, it is me, the bearded one, the resident cast man of this podcast, Sterling. And I am joined by the body slamming machine who has graduated to the rank of pod boy, Jastin.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Hello, Cinema Slayers. When I'm not jumping off the top rope, kicking people in the face, I'm watching Marvel characters do it. So, how are you guys doing?
0: And we also have someone who felt like they just really had nothing good to uh, have as their intro today, Heather.
2: Yeah, it's true. I think my mind just drew a blank. I think it's because I'm still taking in everything from Infinity War, so I just I had nothing left. But welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us.
0: And then we have the man that set the record for the most activity is barely completed in one day. Devin.
3: Hey, it's me. Thank you for making the choice to listen to the man with the caramel voice.
0: Oh, I hate you and your rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> I am leaving that in. All right. So like I said at the beginning, we are going to be discussing the inf- Avengers Infinity War. Like I said, if you have not seen this movie and you do care about spoilers, stop listening now. We're going to ruin stuff for you. You're going to end up hating us and then you're going to write us like mean emails or leave us bad Facebook comments about how we ruin things for you. And so what we're not we're not trying to do that. We're just trying to have a conversation about this movie for the people that have seen it. But if you don't care, just keep listening and it doesn't matter. So First things first, guys. What did you like about this movie?
2: Well, for me, um, I, I would say that my the biggest thing for me that I was really excited about was just the the acting. I think across the board, the acting was top notch, and that was um, that. That's my big thing. Like for me, I feel like acting is the thing that sticks out most to me in movies, and to have that many characters and, you know, that many different storylines all in one and all of the acting across the board be really great and believable. I think that that was um, the thing that stood out a lot to me. Um, I would also say um, I liked the character of Thanos a lot in the sense that he was a very well-rounded villain. I think that um, they gave him, dynamic. They gave him complexity. They gave him more than just like, oh, we need somebody who wants to be big, bad and just ruin things for no reason. Like they gave him a reason for what he's doing and they gave him a purpose and they gave him conviction. And I thought that was a really great thing to do. Um, And I also really liked the, the dynamics that they had between the different groups in the Avengers that kind of met up and, you know, like they had Thor paired with the Guardians and, you know, they had Captain America with Black Panther and they just had um, really good dynamics between the groups of people that they paired together. Um, Yeah, even, you know, Spider-Man and um, Iron Man and Doctor Strange. Like it was just really, it was good pairing off and kind of getting everybody intertwined into everybody else's world of the same universe. So I really liked that.
1: One thing that I definitely liked about the film was the the action sequences in this movie. I really feel like of all of the MCU movies, with the exception of just a few, maybe like Winter Soldier, Civil War had some good ones. But this one, to me, the action sequences really stood out. Seeing a Doctor Strange who has matured and fully realized his powers... Some of the stuff that Doctor Strange was doing, some of the team up moves, like there was a particular part where Doctor Strange was opening and closing portals as Spider-Man is swinging in and out of portals, um, trying to kick in and hitting at uh, Thanos. And that was just one of the more enjoyable parts to me. Um, I cannot remember the the other magician's name on Thanos' uh, Dark Order Ebony team. Maul. I can't. Okay, Ebony Maul, thank you for that. But those those fights with him and Doctor Strange going back and forth, throwing stuff at each other, and then another person opens, op- he opens a portal, he goes in, then he opens another portal, and it comes out back at him. And there was just some amazing action sequences in this movie. So that was definitely something that stood out to me.
3: Yeah, I agree. Something that stood out to me. Was just the story and how they were able to give everybody time to shine, but also how they laid out the story. I really did enjoy how everybody, one, let me just back up just a second, how they made Thanos the protagonist in this film. Uh, This film was very much the Thanos show. Uh, You know, it was almost a Thanos origin story, if you will. And what they did is they made everybody play. It was subversive because they made the heroes play the roles of the villains. Uh, They're doing all these things. They're going to all these places trying to stop him. Like, you know, Thor is trying to go get a new hammer. Uh, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man and um, Iron Man are going directly to Planet Titan to stop him. Uh, You have people uh, who um, like with um, Thor and Loki. They weren't trying to stop him. They just kind of ran into into um Thanos. But I really did enjoy how everybody had went on their own individual missions to actually stop Thanos and how he kind of scattered that MCU universe and put them in a state of panic. And I think that you could really, really feel the urgency to stop him and how desperate everybody was to stop him. Um And then another thing that I really did enjoy is the power of the Infinity Gauntlet was well demonstrated i mean they made mm-hmm. sure that you understood exactly how devastating how powerful how much of a game changer the infinity godly was once it was That's powered true. up by each stone each stone got to show off its power in a grandiose fashion and i thought that was great and on that scene on titan when uh thanos turns into sephiroth and summons the meteor attack from final fantasy 7 <laughs> and throws a moon at iron man that just that really just put it in perspective <laughs> of what are you going to do to somebody who can throw a moon at you what are you going to do right guy so i think that i think that the demonstrations of power and and how they made thanos the protagonist was the um some of the strongest the absolute strongest points of the film
0: touch on a lot of what you guys were saying like for the most part i kind of agree with you on the acting um I felt like a lot of it was just these people being the characters that they've been for, you know, X amount of years now already, or an X number of movies we've already seen them in. But I really did like, uh, I really appreciated Josh Brolin's performance as Thanos. Um, Mm -hmm. even though he was mainly like computer generated, you could tell they mapped his face to make it, you know, Thanos's face kind of line up with his, um, so that you really got to see a lot of the facial stuff that Josh Brolin was doing in some of these scenes. And just the way he would use his voice in specific ways uh, to portray some of these things was really great. Um, I also like to kind of touch on, on some of the stuff that Devin was saying with it. With the Infinity Gauntlet, that was the one thing that really kind of pulled everything together in a lot of ways. Because we've seen some of these Infinity Stones in all these other movies. And, you know, you've you've gotten to see a fraction of what they can do, you know, like you've gotten to see the Power Stone in Guardians of the Galaxy or the Reality Stone in Thor 2, but just showing what they could legitimately do in the hands of somebody that knew what they were doing with them or with the gauntlet, you know, as you add multiple stones together, you know, it really kind of helped show like how bad things actually could have been in some of these other movies, if these stones were in the hands of somebody that was more knowledgeable and capable to actually wield these stones.
2: indeed. Yeah,
1: Yeah, solid points, solid points. And just to kind of add to the whole thing about Thanos and him being an imposing figure, I thought it was a great move to start the movie with basically him dispatching two of the most powerful characters in the Avengers. I found it, I think it was a great, decision to start with him because i mean when this movie opens there are bodies everywhere thor is on the ground already been defeated and then you've got loki on the verge of defeat hulk comes in and the fight isn't very long and hulk we know who hulk is he's a force to be reckoned with he's the Mm -hmm. strongest adventurer as far as strength is concerned And he's quickly dispatched by Thanos. So it just sort of sets up this whole question in the audience's mind. What are these other heroes possibly going to do? If Hulk and Thor and Loki couldn't get the job done, what are they Mm going to do? So it just sets that tone about Thanos and how intimidating he is and how powerful he is right away. Yeah, uh, Yeah, Thanos really
3: dropped a a mixtape after he beat up the Hulk. He kind of reminded me of Jake Drake and back to back. You know, you getting body <laughs> by a purple Titan. <laughs> Hulk fingers turn to Banner fingers. Meet you up in my. And the fear lingers.
0: <laughs> One of the funny things about that scene is if you realize when Loki is talking to Thanos, he actually uses the line that Tony Stark uses against him in Avengers One when he says, yep. "But we have a Hulk."
3: Yeah, we have a Hulk. Yep. Yeah,
0: it, it it's Good supposed point. to like mirror that. It's yep. it's supposed to mirror that scene at the beginning, but just with a drastically different outcome. Whereas you know it becomes this huge like ragdoll situation when Loki fought uh, the Hulk, where it was almost the exact opposite. You had Thanos manhandle the Hulk like the Hulk manhandles other people. Yeah. Another thing I want to touch on real quick too that was something I appreciated in this movie was was Zoe Saldana as Gamora.
2: Yes, mm. she's amazing. Yes, I agree.
0: She always ends up like being the love interest in the Guardians movies more than like a, a real character. But in this, mm-hmm. it really showed a lot of the depth that the character can have and that she can do with it. A lot of those scenes with her and Josh Brolin as Thanos were like really great scenes. Like I was kind of upset that like that kind of got cut short like halfway through the movie because yeah, death. Yeah, Gamora dies. And it's, it, it, you know, it was, it was kind of sad, though, like that, you know, and that was also that was probably my favorite moment in the movie, though, uh, because of the way they made that tie into Thanos' story. Yeah. Without going into a dislike about it right now with that same scene, there is a character that I will, uh, I will talk about later that, you know, points out that, like, when Thanos is crying at the idea that he has to sacrifice something you know something he loves to get the soul stone you know and he's crying and Gamora's like haha sucks to be you because you don't love anything you know and he's crying so she's like yeah you're fucked and this character points out that he's not crying because he doesn't have anything he's crying because he does and it's right there
2: I agree I think Zoe Saldana is just I I think she's great in everything but like just her her convictions and what she says you know like Every word that she spoke in this movie, you just felt it. You felt the sadness and the brokenness and the power behind it. And I just, I loved that. I really appreciated that because it really does show you that you can, you can have a superhero character, a superhero movie, somebody who's like, you know, supposed to be like, oh, it's from comic books and whatever. Like, but they're like, you just, you feel the realness of that character. And I think she did an excellent job of, of doing that in this movie,
0: I, I I do have a quick question for for Heather. You you think Zoe Saldana is great in everything?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's exactly what everything I was.
2: Everything I've <laughs> seen, everything I've seen in her in. So
0: wasn't she in Crossroads? I'm right. Wasn't uh, she in Crossroads?
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know what? All right, listen. I, I mean, did forget I, I, about I, I, that one. The
3: right person,
1: right?
2: Heather yes, loves you are. Crossroads. You, you, Listen, here's the thing.
3: <laughs> listen, listen, you can't say I'm, I'm sure she was the worst like, thing listen, about that
2: movie, though. Listen, so. listen,
3: I'm sure that Heather would like to defend that statement of liking Zoe Saldana in it, but we just don't want to cross that road right now. Dad jokes, I've got them. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: okay. Listen, though, I will say that I think Sterling, you're right, though, because even though that movie in itself is just not good at all, She was probably the best thing about that movie. So, you know. That
0: that doesn't mean anything. I mean, (laughs) if I get shot one day, but I also get kicked in the nuts that day, I'm not going to be like, well, at least I was, you know, getting kicked in the nuts wasn't the worst thing. No, that's still going to (laughs) suck.
2: All right. But I'm just saying, you know, as an overall rule, she's really great. Maybe her movie selections aren't always, but... Did you ever see
0: the movie Losers that also has... Uh, chris evans who's captain america and jeffrey dean morgan in it no yeah sucks too yeah Just
3: so does colombiana colombiana was bad
2: i actually didn't mind that movie i thought that one was pretty okay
0: i didn't bother watching that <laughs> i didn't see it either exactly so oh
2: whatever she's great i'll stick with my, <laughs> my thing so but wait
0: wait wait <laughs> wait. what about drumline what about drumline Cause she was also Drumline. the
3: Nick Cannon loving. Uh, I, I don't know. She was. She was all right. I mean, Drumline's all right. I mean, it's not the best thing ever. <laughs> but as far as movies that yeah. are predominantly black cast, there's there's worse. There's much worse. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's woo. true. Yeah.
0: I mean, to me, and I know we're digressing, but who cares? Drumline needs to be <laughs> talked about. My issue with Drumline.
3: Study study in oh, film. Oh, Drumline. Oh
1: no.
0: My issue <laughs> my issue with Drumline is the fact that there is no college music program in the history of ever that does not require you to do something that would show you could read music beforehand. Just never. None of them ever. <laughs> I know this because I was in a college musical program that as, as a percussion player, like I was, mm-hmm. you know, for Drumline shit, for drumming shit. and i had to sight read some music because that's Mm -hmm. what they want to do they want to know like they they never have it and you're by yourself they don't do auditions like that where you can listen to other people play it so you can hear it and play it because the problem with that logic is also that if you're listening to other people play it if they're shitty players like they're positing in that movie you're not going (laughs) to actually hear what it's supposed to be because you're just hearing people fuck up non-stop (laughs) no 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 i hate that movie but drumline 2 is actually okay. I'll say that.
2: <laughs> you like Drumline 2 better? Oh, my.
0: Yes, Drumline 2 is way better. Anyway,
2: going back to our point about Zoe, <laughs> she was good in Star Trek, right? She was good in that. She was Yo. good in the words. When um, she's a white
3: face. That's offensive.
0: No, there is, there is zero <laughs> thing good about the movie The Words, okay? There's zero things good about that movie.
2: Oh, Every no. Every single I love person in that
0: movie. movie, no, that movie's terrible.
2: Oh, no. I like it. Hey,
1: but, but speaking of good acting, Speaking of somebody who did some we go. standout acting in this movie, how about your boy Chris Hemsworth? How about Thor? I thought that yep. he was another oh, standout actor in this film.
3: In this MCU, uh, I, I agree with that, man. I mean, I used to think like, who gives a shit about Thor? Kill him now, and I won't. I won't care. But now he really has come to his own, and I think that's part of his. Yeah. You know, I, I think part of that is his success outside of the MCU. Because a lot of the people in the MCU, that's pretty much all they got. But man, he's been yeah. putting work in and doing some really good films. And I think that you know Marvel recognized, like, oh, we we have like the he's best gem, thing almost yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a infinity gem, if you will, mm-hmm. with his talent.
2: I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> um, yeah. The only thing, real quick, I'm going to say about it is that the scene where he you know, comes down and joins the Wakanda war going on. That is like the like coolest scene, like his entrance and with the lightning and it was awesome. So, yeah.
1: But just to quickly speak on, um, okay, just to quickly speak on Chris Hemsworth and Thor. I love the scene where he had the little talk with Rocket. I thought that that scene where Rocket is asking him, you know, what happened to your father. Oh, he's dead. What happened to your brother? He was killed. What happened to your sister? And he just goes down the line and Rocket Raccoon's face at that moment when he was like, are you sure that you're up for this? And just mm-hmm. the acting that Chris Hemsworth displayed, I mean, you could just see the hurt in his face. You could see the guilt over the people that and all these people that he's lost and just the mm-hmm. feeling of that he was powerless to stop Thanos at that moment and like he had let everyone down and this was a chance to redeem himself. Like the that that was great acting. And I thought it was interesting too because I think that Guardians of Galaxy part one Rocket Raccoon would have just been like, eh, whatever. But you know, yeah. he that character kinda matured in Guardians of the Galaxy too. So I thought it was mm-hmm. very fitting that he was the one having that conversation with Thor. He was the right person to be talking to Thor at that moment.
2: But I also think that he, it was one of the first times that he felt like somebody just didn't think he was like this useless, like ridiculous, didn't know anything animal sidekick. Like, cause Thor was like, Oh, you're clearly the smart one. You know, like he made that joke about it. And I think he felt some kind of like kinship with him because he's like, all right, you actually, like know my worth. So I'm going to stick with you, you know.
1: Definitely true.
0: True. To me when it came down to it, this movie was about three characters, like overall like I know it's got like 75 something characters and like 30 of the main characters from the Marvel stuff. But to me the the main characters of this movie were Thanos, Thor and Gamora. Mm-hmm. Like they were the three that actually had a story arc. Everyone else kind of just were was they were a part of the story. Mm-hmm. But those were the three that actually had a story arc. There was a beginning and a middle and an end genuinely to what they were doing in that movie. You know?
2: Yeah.
1: And maybe just and maybe just underneath them, I would say Tony Stark. I feel like what happened oh. at the beginning, uh. what happened in the middle, what happened at the end. I, I feel yeah. like he might be well. not as not as much as them, but just underneath them. Like if there was a B. I think he would be right there. The like
3: the B storyline was Vision and Scarlet Witch.
2: Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, no,
0: I, I, I would actually I would agree with Devin on that. It, yeah, uh, I I do agree with that. I think the B storyline is Vision and Wanda because like a lot of it really does revolve around them. But like I I kind of get what you're saying with with Tony. But honestly, the I'll go into greater depth with this in the dislike section. But the story with Tony is almost like every other movie that has Iron Man in it. It's, there's something at the beginning, and it's then essentially like the center point of his story at the end. Like, whatever his issue is at the beginning is what it is at the end. That's kind of what Mm. the, the whole facet of his character has always been in the Marvel Universe. So that's why I just personally didn't see that much into it as you. Whereas I would put it as like a C storyline, whereas like, or like a C character with the, the story, you know, like, you know, Thanos, Thanos, Gamora and Thor at one, you know, Vision and Scarlet Witch at two. I would put Sony or I would put Tony Stark at that next tier.
1: Oh, well, I would just to quickly retort that that's just interesting that you see it that way because the way I saw it, we saw him interact with somebody in his personal life, we saw him interact with somebody who's a hero that is based on kind of that relationship he was talking about with that person in his personal life. Then when, the, when everything comes around, then when everything comes around and what happens to Spider-Man happens to him and everything, that whole thing kind of comes full circle. So I thought he got, when you think about the scenes he was in, the interactions that he had I felt like he got a full story in a way, you know, his fears that, the, you know, everything kind of came around for him. I
0: thought he did get a full story. But like what I'm saying with it, though, is that's the same story he always has. Like that was that's a, that's a version of his story in Civil War. Like he gets guilted into feeling bad about somebody that died in Wachovia. And then because of that, you know, it goes into the Civil War and then like at the end it's still like the same thing though it's there's always something with him foreshadowed at the beginning comes into play at the end of the scene or at the end of the movie it was it's just like iron man 1 at first he's just like who cares i make weapons that are awesome and then at the end of the movie he's like let's stop making weapons you know i'm going to maintain control of iron man cuz other people can't handle this responsibility that's what I'm saying, is that that's always what happens with Tony. Whatever's foreshadowed at the beginning, or talked about at the beginning, is always the end result in his movies.
1: Mm, cool. I mean, but, but that didn't mean it, but that doesn't mean it, but that just doesn't mean it didn't exist. Y'all were kind of making it seem like he had no story, so I just wanted to make that clear that he did.
0: I'm just saying like that That's that's just what his character role is. That's why to me it was just like he was a a, a, a character in the events because that's just what always happens with this character. Like that is the role of Tony Stark at this point in the Marvel in in in, in Marvel movies.
1: I, I I get that.
0: That's why I'm just like that's why I'm saying this to me. That's why it didn't feel like completely like he was a main character that went through a story arc because that's just the role he plays in these movies. You know, just like in the, in the in Spider Man Homecoming, he's like. I'm going to give you this suit and give you a bunch of tech. And oh, you abused it. I'm taking it away. Oh, I was wrong. Here's it back. You know what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. just kind of the role he plays. Like it's he it, there's always something foreshadowed with him at the beginning. And then that's the end result with this character. You know, so even in his side roles, that's what it is.
2: Yeah, I do think that in this, though, it was it was cool that um, at the end of it, you kind of see a little bit more how he is grown up a little bit, like even in, you know, more so in the beginning when he's talking to Dr. Strange and he's like, you know, I see what these guys can do. I don't want to put like the people in this world in more danger. So that's why I think we need to go to Thanos, you know, and I thought that was a cool, like non-selfish thing for Tony Stark to do, you know, and I thought it kind of showed a little bit of growth. And then at the end too, when, you know, everything takes place and people are disappearing and whatever, He's he he's kind of like at a point where he's like, I don't want everybody to go, like like don't leave, you know? And he's like pleading, not pleading, but he's just kind of in his Tony Stark way being like, Okay, don't go, please stay, you know. And it just kind of shows that he actually cares more about other people and not just himself. And I thought it was kind of a cool, at least in the very small bit of his story that you do see, you at least see a little bit of growth in it, which I thought was kind of cool.
1: Yeah, and, and other characters just didn't really get that, which is why I recognized it. Like, I didn't get to see Spider-Man talking to Aunt May at any point, or his, or even his friend. It was just mm-hmm. like, make a distraction. Okay, I'm out of the bus. That's all we got of Spider-Man's life, you know? It, but they made it a point to show Tony with pepper pots. They made it a point to do right. that. They made it a point yeah. to kind of go and see. So, and other characters didn't really get those opportunities except for people like, like we said, Thor and Gamora and of course Thanos. So I feel like he got a little bit better, not better treatment, but he got a little bit more p- attention paid to him. And then of course Vision and Scarlet Witch, but I thought mm-hmm. he got more attention than the others.
0: I do agree with you on that. Like, I mean, he, he did have, infinitely more of a story than say like a a Black Panther or Captain America or you know a lot of characters like even essentially more than like most of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I yeah. mean he he is that next tier like you know he, he definitely is he is definitely that next tier down and then really everyone else is just a bit player and everything. Um yeah. But other than that, we are just becoming dangerously close to getting into some of our dislikes and anything. So is there anything else that anybody wants to bring up about likes or what they liked about this film first?
2: I do really think that it is worth pointing out that um Tom Holland, Spider-Man is, he is a phenomenal actor. Like he might not be in it like a super lot of it, but he was really funny when he needed to be. He was that like dorky, funny, Joking around with Iron Man person. And then at the end, you see like his actual, you know, human self and his being scared. And he just did it all so well. And I think he's, I think I said this on probably my review of Spider-Man that I talked about a little bit um, on our website. But just, he is probably the best Spider-Man that has been Spider-Man. So.
3: Your lack of, your lack of of fortitude in your statement disturbs me. He is without a doubt the best Spider-Man ever. Without a doubt.
2: <laughs> You're so, right. So I, I need that. it, yes. His,
3: his, my last thing <laughs> I loved about the movie uh, was that climax, though. No. That climax, though. No. Best third act possibly in cinema history.
0: Third act, yes, ending, though. No. You yeah, don't like the that. little
3: Tyrion Thanos? <laughs> little Tyrion Thanos?
0: <laughs> that wasn't the, the very end. No, I'm just saying I do agree with you. As far as third acts in a Marvel movie go, uh, this probably does rival uh, Black Panther. That was kind of one of the weaker things about most Marvel films was was the third act. And lately, especially in these phase three movies, that is something they've kind of been spending more time on. The third acts have been slowly getting better. And for the most part, this third act was one of your your better third acts in, in the MCU so far.
1: And it, and, it, and it really it, I agree with all that and it really almost had to be because we'll get into the problems here in a second <laughs> it's a very good <laughs> thing that third just... act kind of pulled it all together
3: okay let's let's just get into it quick. let's stop foreshadowing up next what
2: did we dislike
1: yeah. what
3: was wrong with infinity war oh no I'm about to roast us. about to rip this dog 16 bars no filter okay uh, not really. Um, so to be quite honest with you, by no means is this a perfect movie, but to me, its flaws are at the very least justified, and they don't inhibit the story or the impact of the film at all. Um, but a couple of things that did kind of get to me. One, uh, Loki uh, was pretty unceremoniously and ignominiously destroyed. That was mm-hmm. kind of disrespectful. I don't like how Loki went from an Avengers one of the most dangerous people in the MCU to kind of like this joke character. Um, I just really don't agree. Don't agree with that treatment of that character, um, especially with an actor like Tom Hiddleston behind it, and and all the memories right. he's helped could create in the MCU. I think they could have given a little slow motion to it, a, a little a little bit more gravitas to it, a little bit more gravity to it. Um, I mean, he's one of the very last ass guardians uh, in this universe. So I think a little bit more of a reverence would have been really great for him. That's something that I just didn't really dig about the movie. I also did not like um, <laughs> Banner when he had the helmet off of the Hulkbuster. Um, <laughs> I, I just thought that looked so damn bad. I mean, it looked absolutely <laughs> awful. Uh I I just was like wow that looks so bad like what did you do why in in post production where you just sleepy and you're just like listen I've been doing this forever and I just can't do it anymore we're just going to let it slide I don't know what happened but I really just <laughs> didn't like that that looked so hokey and so cheap I hated it um and then last but not least to me um, I know that there's pacing issues, quote-unquote, or there's tonal issues from some of you guys, so I'm going to let you guys elaborate on those. But here's something that I don't like as far as a character interaction. It really starts to annoy me when every character just hates the shit out of every character the first time they meet each other. Um, you know, like Doctor Strange and <laughs> Iron Man were just immediately like, just like calling each other douchebags and like, I'm going to slash your tires, bitch, and I was just like, come on, man. Cause, like, somebody understands that the universe <laughs> is at stake and can everybody just kind of be mature? Um, I mean, especially, <laughs> you know, somebody like Iron Man who feels so much responsibility after, you know, Civil War and breaking up the team and everything. The very next superhero you come across, you're just going to start shit with him. Like, you're not even going to try. You're just going to repeat those same mistakes. So that kind of marvelous things of everybody isn't getting along. Uh, It's a little bit too BVS for me. And I just think they could have just some of those character act interactions. They could have ironed out that just a little bit. Um, Other than that, man, all those other problems, I just really don't have that big of a problem with it. I just don't. I loved it. I'm going to see it again and love it some more. Yes.
1: Okay, cool. And for me, just to kind of hit on some of the uh, the the pacing issues and stuff that you kind of alluded to. Well, well, for me, it was just, I think the biggest thing about it is that, and kind of what you said, by merit of this being such a huge movie and it having so many characters in it, the film skips around quite a bit. So one minute you're on this planet, the next minute you're back on Earth, the next minute you're on this planet, the next minute you're here. And even though the the movie does a good job of labeling, like it tells you where we are, it tells you things like that. But I don't know if maybe I missed it or maybe somebody could elaborate, but I just had no sense of distance or how much time was passing. And so it, it would seem like, when when characters would be at a certain place or when they would meet up, I just would come back to, well, how did they wind up, you know, how are they winding up getting here so quickly or how did they arrive over here or how far is nowhere from the planet they were just on? And I don't know. I felt like there needed to be something, just something to, and, and who knows, maybe there's a deleted scene. It was already two and a half hours long. So, you know, you're asking for more here when the movie was already almost three hours. But maybe just even a little exposition so that I could understand where everybody was, even if like during that time that Thor and Rocket were flying to go meet with the uh, the, the forger to find out about his Stormbreaker. maybe. They could have looked at a map or maybe somebody could have been like, OK, this is here and that is here and that is here. I don't know. I just felt like I had no clue of where all of these different stories were taking place. So that would have been my biggest complaint about that.
2: Well,
0: to, to touch on that real quick, as far as the timing goes, roughly everything is happening literally at the same time. Because once Thanos gets the Tesseract at the beginning of the movie, he gets the Space Stone. So he can, at that point, with, in combination with the Power Stone that he got from Xandar, uh, where the Nova Core is, he's pretty much can transport space and time instantaneously. So he could go from halfway across the universe to Earth, you know, in a nanosecond. As far as distance go, you're running into the same problem, essentially, that they have in the comics, where you have earth and then you have an undiscriminate amount of like distance away is everything blanketly that happens in the cosmic universe in marvel so like essentially like nowhere and like these other planets and titan and things like that are all relatively close together just because, like I said, everything's happening at the same time by virtue of like time passage and things like that. They're all roughly close to each other because when Thanos is bouncing around the universe, he's doing that in like a second. He's just got to think of where he's going and he's there pretty much. So, okay, okay, you know, th- so all these other places and that's like the big flaw of anything cosmic with Marvel is it's Earth and then just cosmic shit it's just
2: yeah. all <laughs> off
0: somewhere else and it's like it, it's it's like they're all fucking like neighborhoods and like fucking new york it's like they're all like just like half a minute away from each other like that's and that's just a problem from the comics too because since you know they're making up planets and in universes and, and galaxies and all this other shit there's no there's never really been a need to actually say where anything is specifically so it's, it's just that same flaw that you have in the comics. There's Earth and then cosmic shit. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like, the, that's how the cosmos is built.
3: And I think, as far as time is concerned, it happened with all within the same day. I mean, I think that was the biggest thing is that this all happened within the same day. Um, and I, I took it as all within the same galaxy. I think you just have to kind of be paying attention to how they've traveled through space, especially with like Gardens of the Galaxy. Um, and how they use those jumps and stuff like that. And, you know, apparently you can do 700 jumps and not die. So I think some of that, that jumping stuff is a part of it. But once again, I just, you know, that's what, how I took it. Cool. Cool.
2: I would say like one of my biggest like issues with it is honestly, there wasn't enough Captain America. Like they, he did not have a lot of scenes. And I think just because he's, you know, like they always poster him as like, you know, the like the the main you know avenger for a lot of things and you know even civil war it was like mainly it was it was him versus iron man you know and it just he just didn't get a lot of screen time in this movie and it was a little bit of a bummer just because he's like such an essential you know part of the avengers team and he's you know he's just you know a big deal and everybody loves him as like he's one of the most well-liked Avengers of, you know, America. So I just thought it was interesting that he didn't really have a lot of screen time in this movie.
1: You you took the words right out of my mouth. I was totally going to say that next. So yeah, good point. Good <laughs> yeah.
2: Point. <laughs> and I mean, and maybe it's, you know, I realized like, obviously, they have so many different characters and they, you know, everybody has to have their screen time and they have to have their moment to shine. And even the little bit that Captain America was in, he was kind of like, all right, I've come back and you know what? I'm not screwing around anymore. This is what it is. This is what we're doing. And it was great, but there just wasn't enough of it. And um, so that was, that was my first like issue that I had with it. Um, I would also say that um, I kind of agree with you, Devin, about the whole, like when they first meet each other and especially, you know, when it's like, you know, it's an Avenger of some kind, like, um, like when Star Lord met Iron Man for the first time, you know what I mean? It was just kind of like, well, okay, you know that he says he's an Avenger so obviously you know he's like a hero, he's a big deal. he's gonna help you, but they still are just like like, well, who are you and what do you want? you know and I totally agree about that. Um, so I, I think that the first meetings, you're right. they're sometimes a little like, okay, <laughs> let's not be that way about it except for, um thor versus star lord that was actually pretty hilarious their first meeting and that was great i think they did that really well very in character for both of them i thought it was it was great i think that one was done well but the rest of them you're right it's like okay well let's not argue about this or that when we have to save the world but you know so um and also, I think um, in I know in one of the uh, reviews that we had up, I believe it was in Sterling's, where you talk about a little bit of the the timing of the jokes was a little bit out of place in a lot of the movie, and I think I do I I definitely agree with that for the most part. Like they were good jokes, they really were, but they it was kind of like very just very abrupt changes of like when they're doing them, except for. Um, Spider-Man, I feel like, was always on point with it just because, you know, he's a kid and he's going to say what he said regardless of the situation. So I feel like his was pretty accurate. And then, again, like, the um, the jokes with, like, Thor and the Guardians was just... It might have not been completely in place, but it totally worked just for, like, who those characters are. And just the whole joking interaction that they had with each other, I think, was a really high point of the movie for me. It was just really entertaining to watch. Yeah, and then (laughs) my only other um, thing that I'll say is, so they went into this whole thing about, you know, Doctor Strange at one point went into the future to see the possible outcomes of the situation that they were in. And he said there was only one way that they really win. But he also never really reveals to the other Avengers he's with what that way is. You know, he just like they make this master plan to, you know, trap Thanos in a sense. But, you know, at the end of it, when he decides he's giving Thanos the the time stone and Iron Man's like, well, why'd you do that? And he's like, it's the only way, you know, it's kind of like, why wouldn't you have explained this whole thing and what needed to happen before everybody gets involved in trying to attack Thanos like this? You know, I just don't understand why he wouldn't have revealed that information to them because it's like, oh, by the way, you're all going to have to essentially die because that's the only way that this works. You know, like I just feel like that's something he might should have told them. So, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> Oh, the scene where star Lord kind of loses it when they're like right in the middle of almost getting the, uh, the, what is it? The gauntlet infinity gauntlet. They're, they're so close to getting it. And then that's when he decides to freak out. I was really disappointed by that. So I was like, You're better than that, Star Lord. Like, don't do no, that. You're he's gonna not. ruin Star- the world. Star
3: Lord is an emotional wreck and he's a child. That was perfectly <laughs> in character for him to do. That's I just what he feel like they should in have every done that. movie at the end. He just flips out emotionally and just starts attacking <laughs> the bad guy. That's what he does. That is I guess that's true, especially in the second one. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's exactly what he would do in that situation. It was a perfect use of a character's impulsivity against them. That was perfect.
2: But then again, it's like, okay, so should Mr. You know, Dr. Strange maybe should have seen that and found a way to prevent him from doing that so that they could actually complete the mission. You know, (laughs) I don't know.
3: Here's here's my thing. Check this out. For you guys who were mad because America wasn't put first. Hashtag (laughs) MAGA. Um, it's called <laughs> Infinity War Part 1. Hence, there's a part two. So, I sure. didn't get to see enough, enough Captain America. Well, I, I but you know there's a second part to this. Oh, my God. There's a second one of these.
0: Where to begin? First thing I'll bring up was Red Skull, because I talked about it a little bit earlier. Red Skull is the mystery character that I alluded to earlier that is with Thanos and Gamora on that scene. My issue, My issue with Red Skull is the fact that it could have been anyone else. They could have gotten a homeless guy off the street to play that character. There was no need for it to be Red Skull, and I think it's a wasted use of Red Skull because that is one of those things that's solely done for fan service. Like, like, oh, you remember this character from Captain America 1? Ha ha, he's back. But he didn't do anything Red Skullian. You know, he just seemed like some random mystery mountain hermit guy that just happened to have knowledge on the soul stone all of a sudden. And that was like, it seemed like an entire waste of a use of that character. He could have at least had like somebody chained up to something and torturing them. I mean, he could have had something red skull about him (laughs) other than the fact that his face was literally a red skull.
3: (laughs) Well, to, to, to be honest, it wasn't suddenly he knew about the Soul Stone. He's kind of been there for like 84 years. So it's not really no, all no, of a I sudden. I get that. But like, just saying. But the,
0: even then, though, who's sitting there giving him that information? Because it looked like no one else was on that planet. So who's even giving him that information? If the Soul Stone is sitting at the bottom of this pit, how does he know this stuff?
3: Who's telling him How that? How can you, captain of the I hate the origin story, now demand origins for everything? Okay, I'm going to let you continue. Just well, do your the thing. thing.
0: Is I just wanted – like it could have just been like some random alien mountain man that I would accept that for. But the fact that it's Red Skull, you're intentionally putting that character into this situation. It's It felt out of place. Like I said, you want to show Red Skull is still alive because that's been a big theory in the Marvel Universe ever since the first one that him touching the soul stone, or I mean, not the soul stone, the space stone in the Tesseract wouldn't have killed him. It theoretically could have just moved him somewhere else in the universe. And then it so it moved him somewhere else in the universe and it made him this other, like essentially made him a new person is a waste of a red skull. Like, that's my issue is it's just, you waste red skull with that. Like, you know, they could have alluded to something like he could have been on Titan, like torturing a baby or something that would have made sense to use red skull doing that. Not just being some mountain guy in a cloak. Second, I completely agree that the tone with tonal issues with some of these jokes, because like the first thing you get in this movie is Loki dying, and you know Devin touched on the fact that you know that it felt out of place, like with the fact that it, there wasn't any gravitas to it all—not him dying, but there wasn't any gravitas to it all. He's been like the main—he was the main villain in Avengers One. He's been a main staple since the beginning, and he was just killed, and on to the next scene. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing you see after that with Thor is Thor hitting the guardians of the galaxy ship. And then them just talking about his muscles and how sexy he (laughs) is. And then the conversation afterwards is Thor's like, yeah, my brother just died. And everybody's like, Oh, and he's like, it's fine though. Gamora. I understand family is a weird thing. That's it. Like that (laughs) is a super weird tonal shift in that movie. Or the fact that like when Gamora and Star Lord are talking and she's like, Gamora's like, if Thanos capture me, captures me. You kill me. You kill me instantly. And then it's followed up with this weird Drax moment about not <laughs> thinking he could be seen. And like, I feel weird with it because that was a legitimately funny bit. Right. Like, Dave Batista did a great job with that bit. It was a good yeah, bit. Yeah, it was. That
1: was hilarious. But it
0: just did not... It, it did not need to follow that scene, though. That was an incredibly <laughs> emotional and serious scene, followed up by just hijinks. <laughs> well, yeah, I, call that,
3: I, call that, I call that the Tycho effect, though. So, Tycho with TT, he directed um, Thor Ragnarok. And there mm-hmm. were like these awful moments when, like, I don't know, when Asgard got absolutely obliterated. And then Korg was talking. He was like, But as long as the foundations are home are still there something can be rebuilt and then it blows up again it's like oh nope it's completely been destroyed now <laughs> like <laughs>
0: like oh i i I, right, I i get what you're saying with that i i get what you're saying with that
3: i think they did a better job of letting those dramatic moments sink in better than they did in in thor ragnarok because some things in thor ragnarok you were like can you just give it a second to play out can you just let us feel that for a sec before you just make another joke.
0: Well, see, like, I oddly enough, I felt the exact opposite with that because since Korg was a side character, like, it didn't feel out of place coming from him. And while this moment with Drax isn't out of character for Drax, since he's a main character, you're now using your main characters to cheapen your moments. Like, so, like... That's why it didn't bother me as much in Thor Ragnarok is because it was a like it was a side character who just essentially did that the entire time. Whereas now is you're using your main characters to destroy your own moments. Like so, it was things like that. Like the tone was really weird to me, and like the to me the pacing was incredibly weird. But then became incredibly form like like formulaic. Formula-matic. I don't formulaic? know why I can't say that word. Formulaic. Formulaic. Yeah, the, we'll there go with, it is. Yeah, we'll go with that one. Formulaic, like because it was like Group A, Thanos, Group B, Group C, Thanos, Group A, Thanos, Group C, Thanos, Group A, Thanos, Group B, Group C, Thanos. Like that's the entire movie ended up just becoming that every time. And while also I did appreciate Thanos as a character in this movie, and I, I kind of hate saying this because I don't know what a better way to do it would be, I hated the way they interplayed his origin story randomly throughout the movie. Like the unfortunate thing is, is I can't tell you a better way to do it. All I can really say is just when I watched it happen, I did not like the way that, that, that felt to go from these transitions to origin moment to this. And then it's no longer an origin moment with Thanos and then to something else. And then to another origin moment with Thanos, it just, it felt awkward to me. And maybe that is the best way they could do something with it. And that's fine. Because one thing I do say in my review of this movie is that if they made some sacrifices to some of these things in the first, in this movie, like so, if the pacing feels a little off because they had to overstuff it because of, and that allows that the, the Avengers movie that comes out next year to breathe more and to like focus a little bit more sharply on things, I will be more accepting of of it in time then. But as of right now without having seen the next Avengers movie, it makes it a little hard for me to accept it right now.
3: Mm, that's a good that's a that's an interesting point. Got that's it. a that's a pretty cool perspective.
0: Cool.
2: Now, since we're on the topic of things we disliked, did anybody dislike that essentially Thor was the one closest to killing Thanos? Do you think that there should have been like a specific no, person that no, you wanted I, I to think actually that get Thor Thanos?
3: It's probably the guy who was close who could have killed him, maybe vision, but that was too much of a risk because you know he has an affinity stone directly in his face. So we don't want to send yeah. that guy in to fight him. Uh it ain't gonna be fucking war <laughs> machine, I'll tell you that goddamn much. Mm-hmm. Black Panther, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna is he gonna he gonna <laughs> scratch him to death? Uh, I mean, he turned Captain America's shield into a uh 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 one of those little coin machines, you know, when you put your penny in and then you have like an armadillo or something on it. It would have taken that shield and <laughs> pressed it. They would have had a little infinity goddess in it. Right. Take take that kid and don't scrape right. it off in one place. It'll be a collector's item in two hundred years mm-hmm. after I've saved the
0: universe. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do agree with Devin on that. With the characters that we have so far in the Marvel universe, Thor is the only one that has the power set To be able to go up against Thanos for the Mm -hmm. most part, he's got elements of magic to him. He's got, you know, strength that's only topped by Hulk. He's the only one that has the complete power set to be able to go up against Thanos in that situation. That didn't bother me. Yeah.
2: I thought it was great. I think it was, it made the most sense for sure. But it was just like every scene was like, I want to kill him. I'm going to kill him. So I just was curious if anybody's like, is there somebody you wanted to be able to kill him or was Thor the best option? You know?
0: Yeah. And it should have ended there because my next point in things I disliked was pretty much every single fucking thing that happened after that scene <laughs> where Stormbreaker gets thrown into Thanos' chest. You know, he's like, it should have ended with my head and then he snaps his fingers and then essentially half the universe dies in that moment. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that part of it. I'm f- I, I just absolutely hated the way they did it in the movie though like with the way they actually showed everything with it to me just felt cheap and it felt forced it really really kind of angered me so very much with how they handled everything after that moment
1: mm-hmm. how so or what what was you what were what was one or two things you were most angry about
0: all right if you look at the original infinity gauntlet storyline in the comics essentially what happens in that for people that don't know it's, it's like essentially like the Avengers and all these people like are taking on Thanos and he has the infinity gauntlet. And I mean, with this, they are touching on the fact that he still had to gather stones in this movie. Whereas in the comics, like he essentially has everything at that point. And so it's, you know, you get like two issues into this, like eight issue. If I'm remembering correctly, story arc, it's eight or six. I don't remember anyway. And by the end of issue two, he snaps his fingers. Everybody's dead. Like there's a few side characters left because he kills half the universe. But like, To me, in this, the reason why I ended up hating it is not the fact that people died. It's essentially how they tried to use people dying. To me, the way they tried to use it felt cheap. Because essentially, if you've paid attention to anything in these Marvel movies, or if you've read a comic book at any point in your life, or if you, I don't know, have heard any movie they've announced after this – and they've only they've actually limited the n- number of things they have announced because of they wanted to like hold back things because of this movie. But just anything in general circulating around Marvel or anything like that. Anytime the Infinity Gauntlet is in play, a shit ton of people die, a shit ton of people come back to life. It's a waste of a moment with this, with how they portrayed it. Honestly, it was the Spider-Man death that pissed me off. The fact that it it, it was beautifully acted. There was genuine sentiment like portrayed by these characters in it. But to me, that made it feel even cheaper because Spider-Man's dying in this. It's this huge emotional moment and he's going to be back to life in 30 minutes in the next movie. Like, I don't, I don't feel, I don't see the need to force a fake emotional moment in that scene. It just angered me insanely. It wasn't the fact that people died. It's just how they kind of portrayed it. They kind of, they, they tried to portray it like it's a permanent fix. Like it's permanently going to happen in no way, shape or form is that ever going to be permanent, especially with the infinity gauntlet? Like I know some of my, my, my bias with is the fact that I know a lot of the stuff from the comics and I get that. But like I said, if you know anything about just these movies in general, it still should, it still feels fake and cheap. Like my wife watched this movie with me and she's one that cries. She cries at things. Like we watched a quiet place. She cried when John Krasinski died. She cries very easily. At that, like when she watched it in Infinity War, and she's seen a lot of these Marvel w- movies with me and things like that, and she's really enjoyed them. She just didn't even care about that either, and she knows infinitely less than somebody should know going into that movie because she's maybe seen four Marvel movies at this well, point. Well, to that
3: man, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, I can't change the way you feel about that, but I want to give the audience who was listening just so you guys know: Sterling knew these deaths were coming when he walked into the film. That has so much to do with it. And, and that he has nev- nothing he to fucking do with it. No, because he knew what was going to happen.
0: <laughs> the thing is, is you say that. You say that I know things about spoilers. I knew spoilers about Civil War before I watched it. I had no problems. I knew Civil War. I knew spoilers about Winter Soldier before it came out. I had no problems. I knew spoilers about almost every single mar- ma- major Marvel movie that has ever come out since roughly Thor 2. And it has never once bothered me a single time. Spoilers don't bother me. The reason why I went and found spoilers is because I was talking to one of my roommates before the movie came out. And we were talking about the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. And I got worried that we're going to have cheap deaths. So I listened to something to find out if we were going to have them. And all that did was just tell me we're going to have some fucking cheap deaths. And the other thing is with it, the reason why I bring that up with that is because of something you specifically said on facebook to where if i hadn't had those spoilers i still would have known something was coming because of something you specifically said on facebook Devin. when you said that you had that this movie brought you to tears at one point made some little teardrops form in your eyes i'm watching this movie when loki died at the beginning i don't think that did it for you when Gomorrah dies in the middle I don't think that's what did it for you. So if I'm watching this movie and I didn't know anything and I get up to the scene with Thanos and he's got an axe in his chest, I'm still then waiting for something to happen because I'm like, I have not seen the scene that would have done this yet. So even then, that to me is a tip off that something is happening because to me, that still does not make any of this less cheap because Spider-Man dying was played just to get a fake response. It wants it wants to make you feel something. It wants it they're trying to play it like he's not going to come back to life. They're trying to play it like these characters are dead forever. And in the if you've ever read a comic book ever in your life, that is never the case. I can think of one comic book character ever, well, main comic book character ever that has died and at this point as far as I know has not technically ever came back to life.
3: The stakes in the movie yes. were real. And and when I say the stakes in the movie were real, I mean to the characters in that universe. If they hadn't have been so emotional, and just so you know, the reason why Spider-Man was so much is because he has a spider sense. So he could feel himself dying. So that's where there was all that portrayal going on with that. That was a small detail and a small acknowledgement of his power because it does border on precognition because it's so fast of why it was so much like that. So that's why there was so much drama. That was why there was so much mm. drama when it was associated with his death. So to the characters and everybody concerned, that is permadeath. I know for a fact that they're coming back in some way, shape, form or fashion. And for me, what's gonna make the difference, I could be as angry as you is how they do it, is how they bring them back. So that's why, that's what could really make the difference in the death of me. But in that moment, you know, to be quite honest, what really brought me to tears is Black Panther dying uh, because i waited such a very long time to have that type of superhero to be the same color as me, to have people show that much respect and so much progress Uh, when he disappeared and he said, you know, this is the place to die. And he was gone. I just couldn't believe that. I was so it's, it's a suspension of disbelief. And that is what a movie is supposed to do. And yeah. Avengers Infinity War suspended my disbelief that even though I know that there's no way that Disney is going to stop making a billion dollars every movie, just for a few minutes, I believed that these stakes were real. Regardless of all my cinema knowledge, all my comic book knowledge, regardless of all my, my rationale and my understanding of movies and my understanding of film and how a story is supposed to be told... I was swept up in this moment with these characters. And that's why this movie, despite all of that, despite how much of an intellectual I am when it comes to film, it was able to suck me in and suspend my disbelief. So to say that those deaths are cheap is something I can never agree with because it did a fantastic fucking job of getting me
1: hooked to that story. And, and just to well, well, well before f- you retort Starly, because you're gonna have to retort to me too no because I, I
0: was actually I was <laughs> I, no no I was just gonna add a fact to what Devin said okay like the funny thing is about Black Panther's death and the reason why it actually wasn't played out more in the film was because of the fact that they had actually filmed Avengers oh, infinity really? war like the that, that part of it and everything before Black Panther <laughs> came out
3: yeah yeah like, know Marvel that. didn't Below know of the rings yes Patrick.
0: that's the thing is like because they filmed Avengers 3 and 4 back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were actually done. They were done with the majority of the story like and everything for Avengers 3 at that point. They were actually filming the Avengers 4 parts when Black Panther came out. So they did not know like essentially how mm. powerful that moment would have played out now versus when they filmed it. Because oh, I'm yeah, not going to lie. Disney in, in, did not have much faith in Black Panther. Well, I mean, they had more faith than you would think cuz they did put 200 million dollars into making that film. But nobody would actually think that up until Infinity War cuz Infinity War is going to beat its records probably. But Black Panther became the like highest-grossing Marvel movie ever. Mm-hmm. They had no way of knowing that was going to happen. You know, they they were figuring they'd probably still make 600 million on the thing, you know. But they didn't think they were going to be hitting the billion dollar mark with Black Panther yeah and so that's just the funny thing about the black that Black Panther dying in that scene and the reason why it is slightly downplayed is because when they filmed it they did not know what that would mean at mm. the moment that's all I was saying Justin is I was just adding that anecdote to it I'm not trying to retort anything yet it's just little little information for you
1: okay okay and just to kind of which you know I hate to tag team you on this issue, but I I'm also on the other side of how you felt about the end of the movie. And I'm in disagreement with that because for me, I think that if you're truly going to critique this and truly judge it, you can't judge it based on something that might happen or could happen or that we think will happen. I mean, we know that in the end, this is at the end of the day, this is a superhero saga movie. We know that the heroes are going to somehow triumph at the end. So that to me, I I don't know how you can judge a scene based on a movie that we haven't been given yet. I think that we would have to see how the how the resolution comes in Infinity War Part 2 before we can make such a harsh judgment on those moments as if the Spider-Man death was cheap and stuff like that. But just to kind of paint the scene and the way I saw it, first of all, before we even get to that, everybody speculated that there were going to be deaths in this movie. Everybody speculated that there were going to be sacrifices made in this movie somehow based on prior knowledge of comics, based on just the way everything's were going all over social media. There were different rumor boards and stuff about, oh, who's gonna die?" And, uh, you know, Chris Evans had did a 10 movie deal, and this is the 10th movie, and there were all these speculations. So I feel like the majority of your audience already kind of knew that. But I thought that in the third act, and, at, and especially at the end, it was masterful the way they did some of this. I'll start with the fight with Thanos and Tony Stark. When they're fighting, and Tony Stark gets stabbed, I really thought that was it for him. Just the the way that they painted that scene, the way it was done, when he stabbed Tony, the, the stuff that they showed us at the beginning, the stuff that they did with Stark, and then even when Thanos was kind of saying, I hope that they remember you, you were a good man, and all this stuff like that, I really thought that was it for him. And he was one of the people that was really rumored to die and when he didn't when um dr strange stepped in i was like okay but they got me so already the tension was already building way before thanos snapped his fingers that was a scene and so then when you're in the and if you don't know any any of these deaths are coming it's very intense stuff because that scene was intense then when thanos is finally in wakanda and everything is happening there, and he's face to face with cap. you're just sitting there going, "Oh man, is cap gonna get it?" And I think that was the the strength of that of all of that whole sequence was you were just like, "Oh man, is it cap? Is it going to be cap? Okay, it's not him." Then what happened to vision happened to vision and everything, and then whenever you get to that part where people are being disintegrated. I feel like that is the reason why the majority of audiences really felt that because there was some powerful acting going on with Tony Stark and Tom uh, uh, with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland. So I feel like that was a very powerful scene. Even if they come back, even if we know they're going to come back, we can't we can't judge it based on something that hasn't happened. We have to look at it at face value and 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 how it made us feel. In the confines of that moment. And for me, just a movie watcher, understanding that people might die, but not knowing exactly who, I thought this was masterful at baiting you to making you think it's going to be this character, then switching it up. Thor talking about how, man, you know, uh, fate keeps me alive and I normally live so that I can triumph. And then his his scenes with Thanos and stuff like that, it could have been him. They really did a great job of making you guess. And I don't think anybody pre- accurately predicted, I didn't read one spoiler, one rumor mill, one thing that was accurate about the outcome of this film. So I feel like that's the reason why most people walked out and they thoroughly enjoyed this because... You honestly, um, with unless you knew going in beforehand, you really couldn't predict who was going to go. And I think that's why it is powerful. And like you said, maybe you're right, but you can't possibly be right right now because Infinity War Part 2 hasn't come out. So right now at face value, I think that we've got to say that that was a very good scene in the movie. Final moments in the film.
0: Well, see with that. Yeah, yeah. No, just real quick with that, though. More specifically than anything, it really was the Spider-Man death at the end that actually angered me. It wasn't anyone else's death or anything like that, or like because I, I do agree with you with the whole with the whole part with you know Thanos stabbing Tony Stark and things like that. And the like, I, I I liked the fact that Doctor Strange died because Doctor Strange is actually one of the big characters in the comic that allows the heroes to come back and beat beat thanos so the fact that he died I, I i do appreciate that my issue with the spider-man death and the reason why that i can actually say Devin is wrong about the spider sense aspect of it all is that scene plays out in real time it doesn't play out whereas with spider-man would perceive things like slightly faster and things like that his actual disintegration takes longer in real time Because of Tony Stark, that's how you know it's real time, I'm not talking about actual time on camera, but because of Tony Stark being there, it takes longer than anyone else's death. And that was solely due to try to create this false narrative, like emotional moment to me. That's why that angered me is because if they had played his death, just like they played everyone else's in that movie, I would have actually like it would not have angered me. It's just the fact that they placated that, especially that's the one character that actually, as far as knowing things about the movies, dictates that that is the least accurate of all of them. Because he is the sole one that they say has a movie that takes place directly after Avengers 4, as far as the narrative goes. Because we don't know technically when Ant-Man takes place. We know Captain Marvel takes place in the 90s, and then we have Avengers 4, and then we have Spider-Man 2 after that. So, like, that's my issue with it is the fact that it was his death, the fact that they intentionally drew that out so that they could have him saying, no, no, Mr. Stark, don't let me go. Don't let it happen. Mr. Stark, please, no. That whole thing was solely, like, to me, that was to cause false emotion. That's what I didn't like about it. If they had just had him disintegrate and then had, like, Tony standing there, like, over the little pile of ash and just being like, oh, damn. And, like, him having an emotional moment in that – I would have accepted that as far as it being an in universe type of thing. But it's the fact that they intentionally drew his death out differently than anyone else is in there. That's my problem with it. It wasn't the fact that they killed him or like any of the other aspects of these people dying. It was just I mean, that that aspect I understand
3: of it. I, I I understand you what but I'm saying? I just still don't agree.
2: Yeah, okay. I, that
3: makes I, uh, sense. I, I get that.
1: I, I just don't agree. I understand. I don't agree but I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs>
0: that's what it is, is it's just, like, how they played it out. Like, that's what angered me about it. Because, like, to me, that's my same issue with the end of the movie, Logan. Like, it just, to me, it feels like a false sentiment. Whereas I feel if they had just had Tony Stark portray his part emotionally, that would have felt more genuine within the universe to me. Like, it wouldn't have felt, like, so like, I guess fake to me. Because, like, to me, that's what was fake. Not the fact that they killed everybody, or, or that, like, that that wasn't expected or anything like that it's just that aspect of it is what just kind of infuriated me about it all is that his death they had to make special over anyone else's you know and there's nothing in universe that would dictate him being different like i'd understand if he was actually like thor and the fact that thor is super powerful that maybe it would take him a little longer to disintegrate like that that would have made sense to me but as far as him just that character, that part of it doesn't make sense. And one other thing I do want to touch on real quick, because I, because Devin said he does have to go, was what you were talking about accuracy and predictions. One of the podcasts I listened to, the Weekly Planet podcast, their uh, their podcast network did like a contest to like for people to like write in and like predict deaths, and whoever got the most points based on who dies, like accuracy, uh, would get prizes. There was actually somebody in that contest that predicted every single one of the deaths 100% mm-hmm. accurate. Yeah, I just thought that was crazy because of what you talked about. Like, it wasn't like somebody famous. It wasn't like, you know, a rumor mill or anything like that. It was just a contest. But he actually won the contest because he predicted it accurately out of like over a thousand wow. something people that cool. participated. He was the one person that predicted wow. every one of the deaths in that movie accurately.
1: Wow. That's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, that's just like a little interesting tidbit I had because you brought up accuracy and predictions that I literally heard about this month, like yesterday, that there was this guy that predicted everyone and that includes Loki and Gamora before the, you know, the stone deaths and everything like that. Like they actually predicted all that. And I just thought that was a little interesting uh, tidbit. (laughs) Wow.
2: Crazy. It's I also think it's interesting that um, that. If you hear interviews of the, the people in the movies, they actually didn't even, mostly, most of them didn't even fully know who, who all was going to die, what all was going to happen, because they had all these different scripts going around to read and to do because they didn't want everybody to know. So, um, they actually, like, there were some scenes, like I heard that Tom Holland was filming, you know, this scene where he dies and he thought it was a fake script. You know, he thought it was just like, part of the fake script and that it wasn't real, but he still had to do it just to, you know, so that nobody knew what was actually going to happen. And he, he didn't know until the end of the movie or until the movie aired that like, that was actually the ending of it. So I thought, I think it's interesting that a lot of them, they, they didn't even know specifically what was going to be happening with the the exception of like a few of the characters. So
0: Um, real quick, one thing, one more dislike I want to talk about real quick, there's actually a counter to something Devin said earlier. I, I did actually have an issue with how they portrayed the infinity gauntlet at points with its power, because I, I found it actually kind of weird in the movie that when Thanos had less infinity gems, like so towards the beginning of the movie, when he only had one and then two, he actually seemed more unbeatable then. And then as he got like four or five gems in is actually when the heroes actually started having more effectiveness and their ability to like, attack him and that was something that was a little weird to me because at that point he should actually be even more powerful like wires like things now more effective and with that the one other aspect of it all that i didn't like and that i really hope is in the fourth movie or the fourth avengers movie is the fact that they actually did not showcase the soul stone in this movie they don't actually show what it can do they show what it can do in the context of being a full collective infinity gauntlet and that he could snap his fingers and you know half the universe dies but they never actually show what it can do especially for the fact that it's the one gym we don't know what it can do like we he didn't showcase the mind stone in this movie but we've seen the mind stone happen in other movies we've seen it in age of ultron we've seen it in the first avengers movie we've never seen the effects of the soul stone we didn't get to see it in this either and I really hope they do show that in this next movie, like how reaching the soul stone can actually be and what it can well, do.
3: I'll say that I'm pretty sure they're going to elaborate on that a bit. And then also, um, it appeared that he could only use one soul, infinity stone at a time. That's what it looked like from 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 my perception. That It just seemed like he was using one at a time. I don't have time like to argue it like 400 years. Like, I got to go.
0: No, no, no. I... I, I get why they do that. That's something they've done in the comics and they've done in some of the cartoons and stuff like that. Uh, it's a false way of, like, elongating things because, in all honesty, with the gauntlet, he can do anything he wants. Uh, but, I, but I understand why they do that, and that's why that doesn't bother me is because I've seen it a billion times and everything. So, like, that aspect of it didn't bother me. It was just, to me, like, the power stone automatically makes every other stone in the gauntlet more powerful, you know? So... Like it's just one of those things, like as he went on, it just seemed like he could do more, but they were more effective. And that felt a little weird to me, is all I was saying on that.
1: And just really quickly, sorry, but this won't take long, not to argue, but maybe but just I just had a thought as you were talking about the Soul Stone. Maybe we did get a little bit of a clue of what it does because of the scene with Red Skull. I know you didn't like it, but point case in point, he was trapped. In this, you know, he was trapped, still living, not dead, because of that soul stone. So maybe it's a clue as to how the other characters are still alive. Maybe they're trapped somewhere, mm-hmm. still alive, perhaps.
0: I've so. I've got something I've got something to bring up to you guys in the next segment about that. I was gonna wait till we're out of the dislike section. Um so real quick now, everybody done with dislikes? Uh, just real quick, Devin, what do you give the score? Um,
3: I give I give it um, eighty nine man tears out of a hundred that I shared.
0: <laughs> All right, <80. laughs> nice. All right. Um. Anyway. All right. So now, uh, real quick, uh, Heather, kind of give your final verdict about the film. Maybe what you're excited about. Uh, if you can, maybe where you would rank it in the the pantheon of Marvel movies. Don't give your score. Just in general your your final verdict of the film you liked it didn't like it any of that
2: um for me i definitely did like it um i think i i think i did i mean it's one of those it's one of the rare um marvel movies or like superhero movies where you go into it and because it is like a first part of um your initially it was a first part of a two-set movie it um it didn't have that hopeful feel at the end of it. Like you always see with these like superhero films. And I think it was clever for them to do it because then it kind of sets with you, like what's happened and you kind of have to sit on it and you kind of have to deal with that (laughs) until the next movie comes out and whatever happens. But, um, for me, I would say, um, I definitely did enjoy it. I think overall it was, um, it was very well done. I I just love that it was finally when all the characters were together. And I think that's what I loved most about it. It actually, I think it would probably crack my top five of the Marvel movies. Um, I say that now maybe just because it's fresh on my mind or whatever. But just how they did it and just um, the story of it in general, um, I think was really interesting. So I would say it's probably in my top five of my favorite Marvel movies.
1: Okay. Um, overall... It, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good film. It, it doesn't make the top five or ju- for me. Just it, uh, for me, it just is maybe underneath those. Definitely, I think this has a case to be maybe in the top ten. I don't. I think because of the narration problems, it sort of had by nature of it being so huge, having so many characters, having so many things going on. It structurally. You're you're just not gonna be able to say it's the best or the or or maybe even the top five. But this is a very good movie, for the most part. What they did worked. Everything came together nicely, and like you said, the ending for it to kind of to to really put these superheroes in a peril. Unlike any other movie that we've seen before. We've gone mm-hmm. 19 movies now and they have <laughs> Huge never <cliffhanger>, been yeah. <laughs> in such yes, and they have never been in such a dire, sad, um, horrible situation such as this. And making the villain the protagonist was a risk that Marvel has not taken with any of their movies. They actually made the focus of this. The villain, for once, and that was very interesting. So, there were a lot of risks taken with this movie that I liked. There was a lot of good foreshadowing with characters mentioning certain things and then it coming true at the end and stuff like that. And then I, we all spoke on it, but just the final act is. So good. I mean, it's just the best final act they've done. You didn't know who was going to go. You didn't know what was going to happen. There was so much intensity at the end of that. So for that, I'm good. I have to say it is definitely a-, a great time at the movies. I highly recommend this film. Um, and the general consensus has been I- I've done like little chats and stuff like that on my Facebook. I've got a pretty big social media presence and and everyone that I spoke to on Facebook loved this movie. They couldn't get enough of it. They're going to go see it again. They couldn't stop talking about it. And a lot of people, though I disagree, have been calling this their favorite Marvel movie. So, if that's any indication, the movie made 630 million its opening weekend. It's the biggest opening weekend for any movie ever so if that's any indication people really enjoyed this film and so did i
2: one thing i did want to add to that is um i think it's i did think at the ending it was interesting how some of the characters knew like what it meant when he would get all of the infinity stones you know some of them were like oh this is what's going to happen but there were half of them that had no idea captain america you know and that whole group they were just like what is going on Thor even they were just like I have no idea what's happening right now so I think it's cool that like to them they don't have a closure as to like they knew what was going to happen when when he got everything all the stones and everything they had no idea you know so for I think it was just really cool how they left it as to like some of the characters were just as confused as we were as like why did this happen you know so I thought that was cool anyways
0: my issue like my issues aside and everything like this, honestly, I thought the movie was good, just not great. But like I said earlier, like I I am leaving it open to the degree of the fact that depending on how this fourth Avengers movie goes, it could actually improve my rating on this because they are essentially while well, they are separating them out, you know, Infinity War and whatever else they're gonna call this thing it is going to be something they're 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 still telling a very connected story to each other. So depending on how events play out in this next one, it actually could make this better for me. Um, Overall though, like I actually wrote down in my little notebook, like a ranking of all the Marvel movies, all 18 of them. And honestly, it's sitting right in the middle. Mm -hmm. It's number nine for me right Mm -hmm. now. And it's kind of, intermittent like it's kind of tied like it's 9 10 and 11 are all very tied for me and to me that's avengers 3 iron man 3 and cap 1 they're all kind of interchangeable for me right now like you could ask me tomorrow and i could have cap 1 at 9 like it really is to me just in the middle of the pact i can't put it above black panther civil war winter soldier their first guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, thor 3 iron man 1 avengers 1 or spider-man or thor ragnarok i can't put it above any of those like every one of those i did enjoy more than this movie Mm -hmm. and the funny thing is like when you guys bring up spoilers and things like that i knew spoilers on every single one of those movies with the exception of iron man one. see
2: it's funny because like some people really don't mind spoilers like I know I was talking with my brother about this because he's like a huge Marvel fan too. And he's also just that person that's like, you know, I've read the comics. He's like, you know what? I don't care. I want to know the spoilers. So my brother, like he knew a ton of spoilers for this movie and he's calling it like one of his top 10, like personal movie lists, like total. So I just, you know, I think it just depends on preference of like, you know, spoilers. Sometimes they bother people. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes... You know, it, it adds to it for them sometimes. It takes away. But it just – I think it depends on the person. Like, you know, my my brother, I think, probably liked this movie more than all of us did. <laughs> so, you know, I think it, it just depends on, you know, like how much it actually bothers you to know ahead of time what's going to happen. And I think to some degree, like if you, if you read the comics, which I don't, I, I don't read them. But I think to a degree, you sort of have an idea of what's going to happen. Even if they switch it up in the movie, you kind of have an idea of what's, you know, essentially going to take place. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just to me, it's like it's one of those things. Like I like I said, I wrote down every single, like I ranked every, like all 18 of these movies. And like I said, it, to me, it just kind of fell in the middle. And, and like I say in my review on the website, it's – they took a lot of risks in this movie. And like I said, maybe for me right now, they don't pay off. Maybe they will in the next one. Because something this big has just never been done in a movie before. No franchise or anything like that has ever built what Marvel has with these movies. And the fact that for the most part, even their worst movies are still better than a lot of other movies. Like it still kind of shows the achievement that that something like Infinity War is, the fact that they've made 18 movies that all tie together and it culminates in this moment, while it might not be a direct hit itself. Like, I mean, I know financially it is. Like, while it might not be the cinematic hit that it is, because it is actually, as far as like critic ratings go, kind of in the middle of some of these things, is still like it's still an achievement like it's still something to be proud of the fact that they were able to do this it's still not detracting from anything like you know i'm it's not like i watch this movie and i'm like well i'm not watching another marvel movie no i'm going to watch every fucking marvel movie i probably can for the next 10 years it really feels like they have hit their stride with a lot of this stuff and i do feel like we have talked about like third act issues in some of these other movies that i do feel like They are slowly like they're they're fixing a lot of the problems that some of their their misses have had. You know, they're fixing some of the problems that they've had in their universe and they're slowly bringing it around to where you're going to get a top quality film every time you you watch one of these.
1: Yeah, that's a very solid point. And maybe not so much structurally with this film, because it was just such a huge undertaking. But that's especially apparent in Black Panther. I mean, it really is them at their most mature with the pacing of the story, how they developed their villain in that movie, the conflict resolution at the end. You can just the the messages that it had were relevant to the times of the political times of now. Like you can see that you can see the maturity in them when you go back and watch. I would be interested to see if I went back and watched the first iron man and then you come forward and you watch like you know or some of the first few that they came out with like maybe watch the first five films and then Mm -hmm. go forward and watch the last five films and i just wonder how much of a difference it is like with storytelling and structure and everything i bet everybody would be surprised by that how far they've come
0: well, I mean, even then we can look at that now. I mean, for the most part, your first five films. I mean, let's go six because that that'll encompass all of, of phase one. I mean, you have Iron Man one, which is still, for most people, is still in the top Marvel yeah, films because that really established everything. So you've got Iron Man one, you've got the Incredible Hulk, which tends to be lower on people's lists, but I think it's about as interesting as you can get, a good as you can get with an Incredible Hulk movie. Uh, you have Thor one, which I think was the best way – like, while it might not be that great of a movie, I still thought it was probably your better way of introducing uh, Thor into the universe that they had established in The Incredible Hulk and Iron yeah, Man. Yeah,
1: totally agree.
0: Uh, You had Iron Man 2, which for the most part was a serviceable movie, but I think it really was let down by the fact that the iconic status that we all put into the first Iron Man movie. There's – it's – you're just – Almost, Im- you're, you have this impossible task of living up to what the original Iron Man yeah, did. Yeah, for sure. I, I really find it hard. Like anything they could have done in Iron Man Two would have just still kind of felt like a letdown because of what the first one did. Uh, you have then you have Captain America: First Avenger, which I thought was a great movie, or not great, but it was a really, really good movie. Uh, they handled the character of Cap very well. I like the fact that it it felt like kind of a 1940s comic book like when captain america was introduced and everything it kind of felt like that and so it really felt genuine to me and it, i i felt like that was the best way to introduce that character into this universe kind of like with what they did in thor yeah like i just thought that was the best like while it might not be a great movie it was the best way to introduce these characters yes, yes. uh that's true and then you have the first avengers movie which to me is. Kind of why Avengers 3 felt like a letdown is the fact that it was a very simple story. It was very straightforward, but they were able to bring all these movies together like had never been done before that either and tie them all together into one movie. And that felt a little bit – that felt more cohesive than this movie did. Now, granted, it's on a drastically smaller scale than this movie. I just felt like they handled and that honestly, better.
2: And honestly, like Avengers, the first Avengers, is still probably one of my favorite Marvel movies. Like for whatever reason, I just love that one. So I agree. I think that one was really well done.
0: Yeah. But what we're talking about. So you take those movies, okay? And so then we're, we're going to look at now like the phase three movies. All right. They start with Civil War. Okay. Civil War is just utterly amazing and better than most of all those yes. movies. <laughs> it's better than all Phase yeah. One movies with the exception – of maybe iron man or the first avengers i could see people liking them more than civil war yeah but there's no one that's going to be sitting there saying oh the first thor movie is better than civil war <laughs> right no one has ever uttered that <laughs> in, in, in the history of Good ever.
2: point <laughs> no right. disrespect thor but just saying yeah
0: um and then you have doctor strange is the next movie after that while to me that's slightly below middle of the pact it was a very serviceable way of introducing genuine magic into this universe. While Thor had their, the magic was essentially uh, yeah. otherworldly power, this introduced actual magic into into this universe, and I it, it did it, it did a serviceable job of that.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So then after that, uh, the next movie after that would be Guardians of the Galaxy Two, which to me was a lit down after Guardians of the Galaxy One. Kind of in the same way that Iron Man Two was going to be a letdown of Guardian uh, of Iron Man One, it did a good job of expanding the team and kind of expanding their relationships. It just was not as endearing as that first one was. I mean, I remember I was never going to watch the first Guardians movie. Well, I was—I don't say never. I was going to like probably wait till it was like on HBO or something to watch it. And I just heard so many good mm-hmm. things about it. I was like, all right, let me yeah, check it totally. out. Oh no, that was worth it. That was mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've never really cared. I've never cared about the Guardians characters as a whole, and they did a great job with that. Um, so then after Guardians of the Galaxy 2, you have Thor 3. So, you take probably the weakest character as far as movies go, and you just reinvigorate everything. Catapulted with it. Like, him, yeah. If they had,
1: yeah, yeah yes,
0: if they had never made a Thor 3, if they had never made Thor 3. Thor. I would have been just perfectly okay with Thor just kind of being a middling character that showed up in Avengers movies. Yeah. But Thor three makes me want more Thor in everything. <laughs> and that's I don't Ragnarok. care what it is. I want Thor.
1: Yeah, Ragnarok. Yeah. I want yeah,
0: yeah Ragnarok. I want I want Thor in a Spider Man movie. I want Thor in the next Black Panther yeah. movie. He's great. I want Thor if they ever if they ever do a Moon Knight movie. I want Thor showing up in that <laughs> shit. I want Thor in every single thing Marvel does.
2: yeah he's fantastic
0: but that's because of how they handled that character and it is it's like it's like heather and we talked about earlier thor was amazing in this movie too like they really i was so happy that they did not let down the tremendous job they did in thor Mm -hmm. ragnarok to make him a truly awesome character yeah Yeah. they did not let down in this movie and i really did appreciate that about about infinity war that they kept that massive progress they did with Thor in one movie and they kept it going. I was like, okay, thank Mm -hmm. you. Thor is going to be a good, Thor is a good character Mm -hmm. now. So then after Thor, you have Black Panther, which for all intents and purposes is probably deservedly. So the highest grossing Marvel film right now. And I mean, it's, if somebody says Black Panther is their favorite Marvel movie, I cannot fault them for for that. Personally, it's not personally. I still think winter soldier and, is better. But I could very much in my top 3 Civil War and Black Panther could interchange mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of similar to you. Like uh Winter Soldier is my absolute favorite and then right under that for me personally is Civil War, but I but objectively speaking, Black Panther just has all the mechanics man it just it just checks every box so i can't yeah. deny it like it probably is pound for pound the best you know like when you're you've got boxers and you've got your favorite boxer and he's taking some losses and stuff like that but then you got that other boxer and you don't like him like a floyd mayweather or something you know you don't like mm-hmm. him but he's undefeated man he's he's got the right. perfect record he doesn't lose matches and you may hate it but he go, but every, but when he goes in, he he's a, he. It's a win for him when he gets in the ring, and it's kind of like that with Black Panther. I know there are people that don't think it's their favorite. I know that it's not like I, I don't hear a lot of people say Black Panther is my favorite movie, but pound for pound, it's the best one they've done, man. It, it's just story structure, conflict resolution, the villain that it had. The how different it felt, the lush backgrounds, the supporting cast it had. It just checks every box. It makes the least amount of mistakes, I feel like, out of the films. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, I I am really like, I don't watch theater. I I don't watch movies in theaters typically more than once. Mm -hmm. But I am I am looking forward to Black Panther comes out on iTunes uh, next Tuesday. So a week from today, it comes out on iTunes. And I'm really excited about that. I really cannot wait to watch that again. Real quick, before we we move on, I did forget one more movie in these last few movies that they've done. Spider-Man Homecoming. I did forget Spider-Man Homecoming. I was about to say
2: that, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: So that really, it really goes to show like you're talking about now, like these last few Marvel movies are are leaps and bounds better than most of the shit we got in Phase 1. And let's not forget that
2: the villains... Specifically in Homecoming and Infinity War and um, the... Black Panther. Yeah, Black Panther. They were phenomenal villains because they were real, you know, and they were more relatable and they were just super awesome in what they did. So I even their, their villain game is like stepping up, you know? Excellent point. Excellent point.
0: Which is needed because that has been one of the biggest flaws in Marvel Mm -hmm. movies in general is the villains tend to be very weak or they just tend to be like just alternate versions of the hero. Um, Where black Panther, I do feel suffers from that a little bit. Uh, Michael B. Jordan and just the overall story they put behind the Mm -hmm. character. Well, essentially like powers wise or ability wise, him and T'Challa are very much on the same Mm -hmm.
2: page. Yeah.
0: But the depth, the depth they gave Killmonger is what does separate him from ninety nine point nine percent of villains you see in yeah. any movie. But like you said, like it really, like starting with Spider-Man: Homecoming is when villains in these Marvel movies started to get better because
2: they had a purpose and they had like clear like understanding of where they're coming from, and I think that's excellent.
0: Like, well, Michael Keaton is was like one of the first times you really felt like I mean, he was he was so good in mm-hmm. spider man homecoming. And like while Thor with Hella that kind of dipped back into the traditional Marvel way of doing villains, I felt like they had to do that. They had to sacrifice Hella's character a little bit to elevate Thor so much. Yeah, yeah they had they had so much work to bring Thor into a relevant position that I I, I totally accept Hella being a little bit weaker right. as a villain. Um, plus they kind of had that side story of him fighting the Hulk. So, and the Grand Master. So there was a little bit more th- elements they were juggling than in some of these other things. But, but like, yeah, Black Panther with Killmonger, and in with Infinity War with Thanos. Like, I really feel like Marvel is learning from mistakes and and issues they've made in previous yeah. movies, and they are doing a better job of addressing those issues.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely agree.
0: This was what I was going to talk to you about in the last uh, uh, that I brought up in the last segment. This is kind of a fan theory type of thing, but it's something that I thought was incredibly uh, intriguing uh, idea for going into this next movie with everything. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the Soul Stone and whether or not we saw what it could do. So halfway through uh, Infinity War, Gamora dies. She's thrown into this pit by Thanos because he has to sacrifice somebody he loves to get the Soul Stone. I heard this theory. Gamora is not actually dead. Her soul is just trapped in the soul stone, Mm. which is what the soul stone can do. That is within the power set of the soul stone. So she's not dead. Her soul is just trapped. That would also tie into something you see later in the movie. When Thanos snaps his fingers, he goes into this astral plane. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And there's little girl Gamora asking him what it Mm -hmm. cost. Yeah. So that could be her soul talking to Thanos through the soul Mm. stone.
1: Ah, good one. Okay.
0: Yes, and so that that was a slightly intriguing thing. And while I was talking about how, like, later in the movie, the deaths felt cheap because they're all just going to come back to life. And while – because originally when I first watched this movie and everything like that, I thought the only two deaths that were permanent were Lur- Loki and Gamora, and that's why they carried yeah. more weight. But if Gamora does come back to life, say, like, they end up destroying the Infinity Gauntlet and her soul – and she is trapped in the Soul Stone and she escapes it at that point. It comes back to life. The good thing about that is I don't, I don't feel like that would actually still cheapen what I felt was a good genuine death for her because of the nature of everything with it. I still feel like that because to me, that is the one death involved with the infinity gauntlet that is up in the air.
2: Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. And I think like, I think it's also interesting because you, you do definitely see that Thanos is actually quite devastated when he has to sacrifice gamora and part of me is wondering if like in this second you know um the second movie if something will happen where like you know thanos's will to be this most powerful thing is a little bit like weakened because he's just realized that what it cost him wasn't worth it which obviously is probably not going to be that i mean he has all the power in the world and he feels like it's his destiny but i think it would be like an interesting twist. You know what I mean? If that was the case or if somehow like Soulstone in order to release Gamora from it, maybe he has to sacrifice the only other thing he loves, which is himself in place of her or something. You know, I think it would just be interesting if those were things that happened.
0: To go into that is the other part of this theory is like now that he's brought balance to the universe, which is what his ultimate goal was, is to destroy half the population of the universe to bring balance to everything. But he was talking about the cost of everything and things like that. Like, so what if you're like what you're talking about that he more or less can't accept that cost anymore? Mm-hmm. And he, like, say he wants Gamora back. The other part of that theory that I heard, which it could be his undoing, undoing, and if this is the case, I really think it's a really awesome way of doing it, is that with the Infinity Gauntlet, he tries to bring Gamora back. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, he undoes the sacrifice that he made to get the Soul Stone. Mm hmm. And so in doing that, it breaks the gauntlet hmm. because the soul stone would no longer be his. Hmm.
2: Right. Yeah. I see.
0: And that would be – to me, that would be in a very – I think that would be a very awesome way of doing it because to me that would still fit with the version of Thanos they have done in this movie universe, which I think is infinitely better with his motivations than the comic books. Because if anybody is not clear with what his motivations in the comic books is, is the fact that death in the Marvel universe is is essentially – personified by this lady and thanos is in love with her so he wants to kill everybody as like a love letter to her and it's dumb with this i liked i liked the way he did it he's like if i kill half the universe it makes more resources available to less people so they will thrive the universe will be better if i kill half the universe and i i thought that was a better motivation than anything he typically has you know
2: what i'm curious about though like because you know how the the people that died or disappeared or ceased to exist. It was random, right? So who's to say if he had kept Gomorrah around and I sacrificed her that she wouldn't have been one of the ones that just disappeared anyway, you know?
0: Oh no, that's very true. Because the rule of thumb is the fact that he didn't choose anybody that died, other than the fact technically Loki right. gomora and Himdall, mm-hmm. I guess. Um yes and Himdall is one of the deaths that I think is permanent. Mm. Is is the fact that he snaps his fingers and all it is is it's half the universe. Mm-hmm. So he had no control over who died at that point. It was just going to be half the universe. I'm not going to lie. Mathematically, it did bother me a little bit that more than half the heroes died. Like it, to me, it should have been half the heroes that were there. But that that I will I, I will say I am nitpicky <laughs> about that. It was roughly like three quarters of the heroes mm-hmm. died. I'm like, mathematically speaking, it should have just been fifty percent. Yeah. It, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I won't dwell on that much. That's just like a little thing. I'm like, come on. And he and he,
1: yeah. and he did mention whenever I know there was one part particular line he had in there where he mentioned that you know when when half of the universe dies, it doesn't matter who. It doesn't really, it's random. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be the person mm-hmm. in the highest places or it can be someone in the lowest places, which is why I think somebody like Black Panther, who is a king, had to go. And then somebody like Spider Man had to go because mm-hmm. showing. Both, you know.
0: Like, or Mantis or Cracks. Like, low-level characters. Yeah, low.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, low-level characters with respect to the universe. But, like, when you look at economic scale, you have Black Panther, who's a king. And then you have Spider-Man, who's a kid in Brooklyn. So I think it just even further pushes that randomness of it as well. Yeah.
0: No, and I I, I do like that, too. Uh, But, like I said, with it, like, I just, but, like, going back to with it all, like, if they undo it... Like if it's because of Gamora or if Gamora comes back because of that, I I, I still don't think it cheapens that scene because of, like I said, I liked liked seeing the effects on Thanos of Gamora Mm -hmm. dying. And like I said, when I was talking about Spider-Man dying, I would have preferred just to see the effects of Tony. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if if Spider-Man had turned to dust like every other character did and Tony is sitting there heartbroken and devastated Mm -hmm. because of it. I would have – I think that would have been the more effective way Mm -hmm. of doing it. Like, you know, because to me, it would have been on par with everybody else when they died, and I would have liked that more. Like, because it would have showed the emotional consequences of the people dying, not the actual deaths themselves. Mm -hmm. Because the deaths were supposed to be just kind of a quick – everybody's – like, half the universe just turns to dust.
1: Well, I, yeah. I don't know. I think, and I think you'll also see a little bit more of that in the next movie. I think you're going to see a lot of that in the next movie. As a matter of fact, get, you know, yeah, and give it, especially like him and Cap, because there's that unresolved thing between him and Cap. So I feel like exactly. this will definitely be something that'll bring them together because Cap, having lost Bucky, and then him with his relationship with Spider Man that's probably that pain will bring those two back together. And I think we're going to have a really solid moment because of the developments in this film. So with
0: those two, no, I was just going to say, no, I agree with that. I think we're going to see more of the emotional ramifications of what happened because like to me, at the end of this movie, the people that did survive were more or less in shock. They were like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. And you're going to get the more emotional consequences of it all. I'm just talking about that strictly between the scene with with Tony Stark and Spider-Man. I would have rather just seen Tony Stark, you know, like maybe he like grabbed Spider-Man cuz he was falling over and he turned to dust in his arms and him just like emotionally break down in that scene versus Spider-Man dragging out his death and Tony Stark breaking down in the same scene. To me that's why it was overkill. is you got both of those elements when you got that with no other character. Whereas if I had just seen Tony Stark breaking down like you do see I, that's why it would have been more effective is mm-hmm. what I was saying.
3: Gotcha. gotcha.
0: Cool. But no, like I, I, I do agree with you though. I I really do feel like we're going to get the more emotional like consequences of everybody dying in this next film. Because like, especially at the beginning of the film, they have like seven people to worry about now. Mm-hmm. Like you've got seven characters to like worry about. And there is an eighth character that they do have in the end credits that will be in this movie. We all know Captain Marvel's now going to be in adventure right. four That's fine. I'm completely okay with that. I am super excited about that movie.
2: And that's why I'm glad that, like, Tony Stark, you know, he did survive because then we get to – we don't know anything about um, Pepper Potts, right? So we don't know what happened to her, if she survived or not. So, I mean, we got to see what happens with that in the next movie and with um, Iron Man and if it affects him if if she's not there or even if she is there and that – seeing how it affects him and, and their relationship, you know? I don't know.
0: The one thing I'm excited about with Avengers 4 is I think even with all the characters that will be brought back to life, I think we are going to get some permanent deaths in Avengers 4.
2: Yeah, probably. I
0: think we even 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 some of the characters that are coming back to life, I think some of them still might end up permanently dying in the MCU in Avengers 4. To me, like like when you were talking about stakes and everything like that earlier, I feel Avengers 4 is where the real stakes are. Like because I feel like with that, they're gonna yeah. finalize whatever things they have with the Infinity Gauntlet. When I th- I feel like s- with when somebody dies in this next one, I think that will be a permanent death.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah, if somebody goes in the next one, that's it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and like I said, people can hate me all I want. Like with my feelings on Infinity War, but like I said, my my feelings on Infinity War truly hinge on this on this fourth avengers film. So, I hope it's great and I and I I do. I hope it's great and I hope it makes me feel better about Infinity War when it's all said and done. I hope that with what I see in Avengers 4, I hope it makes me feel better about this film.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. What's your score, Heather?
2: Overall score, um I'm going to go with I'll give it like an 86.
0: All right. Justin.
1: Okay. Um I'm going to Re, kind of repeat my review. You can go to com to read the reviews of Sterling and I, but in that review I gave it 89 and I think that that's fair, just under 90 because it doesn't quite have it story-wise, but it re- but everything comes together, it has a thrilling ending. They take some chances in this movie, got to give them that. So 89 for me.
0: Well, I'm drastically lower than all of you guys. I do give it a 77 because like I've said, it's good, it's not great. I still like I said, when I rank all these movies, it's still just a little bit it's too much in the middle of the pack for mm-hmm. me. Like I just cannot put it over a lot of these movies. and but I I also feel like that's a testament to what Marvel's done. They've done 18 movies. yeah, even their worst movies still feel like some relevance. like I don't I, I thought I think Thor 2 is the worst movie they've done. And I'll still watch Thor 2. Like, if somebody's like, hey, let's watch Thor 2, not, it's not like I'm going to be like, ugh, I'm never watching that movie again. If somebody goes, hey, let's watch Thor 2, I'm like, "All oh, right, yeah, sure, why not?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's, and I think that's the thing too with this. I think my expectations, or what I feel like Marvel's capable of, maybe that's why a lot of it, like maybe why I feel like slightly more negative about this, is like, I just I expect so much from a Marvel film at this yeah. point because they have done so damn good. Just the sheer number of movies, like James Bond, is sitting at what twenty plus movies? Uh, I want to say twenty five movies at this point. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. It could be a little lower. I know it's in the twenties. They are in no way, shape, or form the same quality of the eighteen movies that Marvel's put out. Yeah, I mean, to me, James Bond, even in its twenty something. Honestly, I think they've maybe got ten movies that are really actually watchable mm-hmm. by just in general people. Yeah. Uh you have to be a diehard fan to watch some of those things. Yeah. And whereas I think I feel like Marvel for the most part almost does have eighteen movies that are watchable. Because mm-hmm. I said, even even on a bad day, you could probably get down with the Thor two. <laughs> yeah. You know. I mean, You might want to watch something better, but you could still get down with it. You're never – like, no one is ever probably thinking, man, I need to watch Die Another Day today. (laughs)
2: Like,
0: that's not crossing anyone's mind. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so I, I, I still think that while I might not like this movie as much as other people, I still do agree it is a cinematic feat. With what they were able to accomplish right. with it, and I, I, I do, and like, in like, Justin said, it it hit six hundred and thirty million in its opening weekend. Well, I take that as, well, people just haven't seen it yet, so they don't know. But the fact that they were actually able to outbeat Star Wars, yeah, just a franchise that started in the nineteen seventies that's got a fan base that's just diehard mm-hmm. built into yeah. it, that this movie is able to top or this. Franchise is able to top it in ten years. Right. Yeah. In ten years, they're doing things that Star Wars wish they could do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing.
0: You know. So that that it really is. It really is a testament to what they could do. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I've already pre ordered this film on <laughs> iTunes. I'm gonna watch it when it comes out. Whenever I I, I pre ordered mm-hmm. it, like whenever it's released, I'm gonna watch it again. I don't want to make it sound like I I hate this movie so much, or like that I'm so disheartened by some of these things. Like I said. It's still good. Like, I still can't say I'm never going to watch this movie again. I'm probably going to watch it at least three more times this year. Mm -hmm. Well, I
1: mean, well, 77 is still a good score. I mean, that's not that's a positive score. That's not just because it was a little lower than us. Still a positive score. Right.
0: Yeah. like, And that's what I like I said, I know I have a lot of animosity towards parts of it, but for the most part. I do. I, I I think it's a very serviceable film. Like I I am not above uh whenever Avengers four comes out and I watch that and I like think back to this movie. I might go in and put like a like a second score on my thing if it does improve. Mm-hmm. If I watch Avengers four, I'll change my rating to where it's seventy seven pre Avengers four, and then it might be like an eighty five post Avengers four. Right. I don't know. I haven't seen that movie yet. <laughs> so you know, it really could it really could change things because. Of how they're doing stuff. But I really am excited for where they're going. Yeah, I hope we get some more with this. Any last closing thoughts on, on Avengers Infinity War?
2: Definitely no. go see it. That's all I have to say.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Release this podcast. Please. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you up. I'll let you, but just all I was going to say is please let us know what you think. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Let us know what you guys are thinking.
0: I'm definitely probably going to end up being the villain again with this. I guarantee you more people are going to agree with you and it's fine. I don't I don't look down upon anybody that enjoyed this movie more than I did. Cuz like when I saw it in the theater, the people next to me, apparently I I feel like they've maybe seen like 3 Marvel movies in their life cuz the people next to me in the movie theater, they thought Thor was dead at the beginning. You know, like when Thor like with that whole thing with Thanos and Loki and all that shit goes down, they thought Thor was dead. Wow. Cuz that woman next to me was like, "Oh, Oh, man, he's gone. And I'm like, have you not seen a TV commercial? (laughs) Like, I'm not talking about the trailer, but I'm talking about a TV commercial. (laughs) Thor's going to be all throughout this shit. Like, I'm like, whoa, I was not expecting that from somebody. Like, they legitimately thought Thor was dead in the first five minutes of this movie. I was like, wow. I mean, I'm not going to lie. They were genuinely shocked by that end. I I legitimately think, like, when Black Panther died, oh, man, I thought that guy was going to (laughs) cry. Because... When Black Panther showed up, he was like, he like I heard him say, "Wakanda forever." I'm like, damn, it's like that. And then when whenever Black Panther died, they were like, "Oh, oh man, Black Panther." <laughs> I was like, I know they haven't announced Black Panther two yet, but come on, he's not dead. Like, come on. <laughs> like, I was I was genuinely shocked that somebody was legitimately sitting in that theater like utterly in disbelief with what happened. I was like, wow. <laughs> Like that was that was a journey within itself listening to the <laughs> conversations of the people next to yeah. me. That was something I did not think was like could happen these but days. But it's uh,
1: but I feel like it's but, but to me it's justified because this is unprecedented. What hero film in the history of movies, not even just Marvel, but movies has ever ended like that?
0: No, no, no. I agree with that, but I was like, they were so unprepared for this movie. Like I said, they thought Thor died in the first five Yeah, movies. yeah. Like
1: <laughs> that's, that's funny. How,
0: Like that's that's what was so genuine about their moments is like I said, they were like the first time you see Black Panther in this movie. The guy of that couple said, "Wakanda forever." I mean, that was just something that he uttered during that. So obviously he had seen Black Panther. (laughs) Like, they had seen some movies. Have you not seen a TV commercial? Because how are you expecting Thor is dead? Like, I know Marvel is notorious, because they do it very intentionally, about putting scenes in trailers and in commercials that don't exist, as they are. Because I think you brought it up in your review, Justin, where in, in one of the trailers, they show the Hulk in Wakanda. The Hulk is never actually in Wakanda in the movie, but that's a very intentional thing from Marvel. It's like if you go all the way back to Age of Ultron and that scene in the church when they're fighting off all the Ultron robots, they show in the trailer, they show every character that's there with the exception of three. They intentionally leave out Vision, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in that scene in the trailer. Because they did not want it known that they would be a part of that scene. Just like they didn't want you to know that the Hulk would not actually be present after that beginning part of the movie. Like I, But the way they do it, I feel, is better than the way most movies do it. Because I remember in the Fantastic Four movie, when they show the trailers, you see like the thing jump out of a helicopter and like drop into a war zone and just start beating some ass. And that scene is not in the movie. And I was like, that's the wrong way to do a misdirection. That's a scene you can get behind. I understand these small little things because while the Hulk wasn't in the movie at that point, you did have Bruce Banner in the Hulk Buster Armor mm-hmm. do servicing the Hulk role. You yeah. know? Yeah. So like that was the smart version of a misdirect. But like my part my, my thing about it was is the fact that like if you've watched a trailer for Infinity War or seen a TV commercial for Infinity War, you know there's at least fifty more minutes of Thor in that. Because they're not gonna throw you that far off. They're not just going to essentially film an entire movie, like an entire other movie that just happens to have Thor just for trailers and commercials. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Like, it's not going to be that drastic. Like, you know what I mean? It's not going to be that drastic. But they were like, just that girl next to me genuinely thought Thor was gone. There might have been some tears. <laughs> I'm not going to confirm nor deny that because I'm not going to be the creepy guy looking over like, oh, are there are tears. <laughs> but like. <laughs> there was some genuine emotion with Thor. Maybe she
2: thought it was a flash forward or something. I don't
0: know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. They just they thought Thor was gone. <laughs> and I was like, damn. That is insane. <laughs> like we said earlier, me and Jasmine, since we do have differing opinions on this movie, we do have our reviews up on cinemaslayers.com. Mine does have spoilers in it, but I do have them condensed into a nice little spoiler section, which if you're listening to this podcast at this point and you're still worried about what i wrote in the spoiler section you need to readdress the priorities of your life (laughs) but we we both have both the reviews on there let us know if you agree with both of us if you agree with one of us if you agree with neither of us um let us know what you think about it we do have our shop on threadless we do have a link to that on our website linked down our uh, facebook page so if you maybe want a t-shirt uh throw pillow uh a a carry bag any number of items we have it like even if just something like a coffee mug go ahead and snag it up we do have a couple of other things cell phone cases Uh, we do have uh, another design that will be coming shortly uh, that will be an exclusive type of thing and we're really excited about that Uh, once again we do have this podcast we do have another podcast we are working on getting to you guys uh, coming up uh, that we really do think you guys would like Uh, like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter it's cinema underscore slayers on Twitter Uh, we're on uh, Instagram with cinema slayers uh, like all this if you're on iTunes or Google Play, give us a review. subscribe to our channel uh, so you can listen to us. Uh, there is a chance we might be doing some YouTube things in the future so we'll definitely keep you guys posted on that. other than that, if you guys are ever wanting to do a podcast or anything like that, uh, you guys should really check out uh, podcast garden. They've got really good prices. Uh, you can you know for three bucks a month you can get unlimited uploads, unlimited amounts of time. Uh, with analytics everything like you could ever want it's you know and they give you an rss feed that will quickly and easily go up on itunes and google play so other people can have listen to it uh and it works really well so other than that thank you guys for listening on behalf of us on Slayers, and we'll talk to you next time